Well, I'm just freaking sad because we just recorded that was this so entire, good. like, 20 minute awesome episode of us talking about my cold. At least we noticed this early on. We could have done the entire thing. I want to cry because we already had such good moments. I know. It was always so good. Anyway, um, well, if you're new here, I'm Darian. <laughs> and I'm Chesley. And this is the Weird Wives Club podcast where obviously we can't get it together. <laughs> But we we talk about everything from true crime and conspiracies to cults and all things ghost-like. And uh, today we are actually talking about two of uh, two cults that ended in some pretty tragic ways. Yeah. And uh, when we weren't recording but thought we were recording, we decided that I was going to go first. Yes. <laughs> uh, so my cult is known as Heaven's Gate. And it was started by Marshall Herf Applewhite Jr. And in this in this documentary I watched for like 0.2 seconds, they said they always called him Herf. They didn't call him Marshall. But I never found that anywhere else. And I don't know who purposely called their son Herf. I was going to say, who? why would you name your son? I mean, just Marshall Herf Applewhite. Like Junior. Amount, junior. <laughs> there's I mean, more there's than one. There's two of them. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, he was a son of a minister uh, whose name was, I also assume, Marshall Herf Applewhite, um, in Spur, Texas. No idea where that is. Didn't look it up. (laughs) And so because he was a minister's son, he was obviously very religious from a young age, which is a choice. Um, In 1952, he earned his Bachelor's of Philosophy, and he then went on to Union Presbyterian Seminary to study theology but he quit that to pursue a career in music. Your face looks upset. I, I lived. I am born and raised in Texas, and I've never heard of any of these. Oh, okay. You know, I was listening, and I was like, I'm gonna look up Spur, Texas. So it's in between like Lubbock and Abilene, in like That's Midland. Far. It's 240 miles away from us at this oh. current location. Well, considering that he was spawned from there, I'm going to stay away. Yes, <laughs> he lives. It was near Dickens, Texas. I don't know where that is. I've either. never heard of that Crosbyton. Then he he got married to Anne Pierce, and together they had two children. He got drafted in the military for two years in 1954, and after he was drafted in the military, he went on to earn a master's degree in music, focusing in musical theater. So just like every other musical theater in the entire world, this man moves to New York City. Uh, to pursue his uh, singing career, but uh, obviously he failed because now he has a cult. (laughs) (laughs) So after, obviously, his music career failed, he was fired from the University of Alabama because he pursued a relationship with a male student. And after that, his wife divorced him because I don't know what else she would have done. (laughs) But um, I think that's that's possibly the smartest move she could have made considering the... uh, events that are about to unfold mm-hmm. um he then worked at another university because apparently in 1950 whatever they don't talk universities don't talk to each other and they didn't know that he had pursued a relationship with a male student at this university so he went to the university of st thomas in houston and um, became the chair of the music department and actually became very popular as a local singer he resigned due to what he said was emotional problems but some people believe that it was because he had pursued another affair with another male student. Do not learn. I mean, I can kind of see, I'm not trying to say that any of this is okay, but it is university, so it is adults. 
I'm glad it's not kids, but still, you shouldn't be sleeping with your students. Gross. Yes. No. <clears throat> I'm attempting to try to make it sound a little better, but it's not a bit. It's not sounding. <laughs> it's not working. So then he met Bonnie Nettles in 1972. Applewhite said that he felt like they'd known each other forever, and that's when he decided that they'd met in a past life. Now that, I don't know about you, but that's a really big jump. Yeah. From I've known you for a really long time to you, I've you known know what? you in a past life. It has to be. So Nettles... <laughs> Oh, if you think that's weird. So Nettles said that their meeting had been foretold to her by extraterrestrials. Oh, God. So obviously (laughs) Applewhite is like, boom, that totally like makes sense. Supports what I was saying. We have divine assignment. We've been put on this earth by God to do whatever. Still going back to I think those are really large jumps, but you know. He also talked about how he had had several visions, including one that said that he was chosen for a role like Jesus. And he also got really into astrology. Wait, did Jesus have a musical theater degree? (laughs) (laughs) He does have an entire musical dedicated (laughs) to to him, doesn't he? Wait, no, I think that's Joseph of the Technicolor Dreamcoat. That's a different dude. (laughs) 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 Wait. Wait, I'm going to look and see if there's a Jesus musical because there has to be Jesus. (laughs) Jesus Christ the musical. Jesus Christ Superstar. That's what I'm thinking of is Jesus Christ Superstar. So he... He does. He does. Okay, you know what? You know what, Apple White, you write. You 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 write. write. (laughs) He didn't have a musical theater degree. My bad. I didn't mean to downplay that. Jesus had one. So, um... Nettles and him started to live together, but their relationship, they said, was never sexual. But Nettles was married and had two children and began living with this man. And Nettles' husband decides to divorce her, and she loses custody of both of their children. (laughs) Apple White then cuts off all his ties with his family because Nettles had cut off ties with her family. And he saw Nettles as his soulmate, and um, a lot of people that, like, got out of the cult later or knew them said that Nettles had a really strong influence on him. And a lot of people think that she was, like, the mastermind behind the whole cult's religious beliefs. So, in 1973, they began to travel around the U.S. in their, in, in cars. But they didn't have any money. So, they would sell blood or do odd jobs for funds. And they would just kind of like overstay their welcome in lodging that they hadn't paid for or camp on the side of the road or get rental cars when they did have money and just like not return them on time and keep them for extra days. And they actually had their first convert in 1974 and it was one of their friends. Um, They were both super into Christianity and science fiction. So (laughs) do with that what you will. (laughs) One plus one equals two. <laughs> one plus one is two. And two plus two is four. Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I'm going to go with the word fiction. I'm pretty sure I learned when I was in school that fiction meant fake. Yeah. But um, they took that real serious. Yeah. Um, they concluded that they had been chosen to fulfill biblical prophecies and that they had been given higher level minds than other people. <laughs> they wrote a pamphlet that described Jesus' reincarnation as a Texan and there was a lot of references to Apple White in it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, superstar. <laughs> <laughs> and they concluded. 
concluded that they were the two witnesses that were described in the book of Revelation. Now, I looked up the book of Revelation because I'm not super, like, I have not read the Bible. I have no idea what's in the book of Revelation. I looked it up. It wasn't good. Mm-mm. It wasn't a good thing. Mm-mm. So now I'm scared, right? Like, I didn't think this was, I mean, I knew it was scary before, but, like, now I'm kind of like, ooh, I don't, out of all the people to compare yourself to the Bible, we're comparing ourselves to them? Okay. Um, They would also go visit churches and other spiritual groups to talk about their identities and refer to themselves as the two, or better, the UFO two, and then talk about how they were the two witnesses from the book of Revelations. Obviously, the church didn't like that. So um, they uh, they did not get invited back very many times. <laughs> um, the pair believed that they would be killed and then restored to life and transported into a spaceship. They called this event the demonstration and would prove their claims. But uh, obviously, again, that was not very exciting to the churches because they described this demonstration as they were going to be killed and then their bodies would like be beam me up Scotty. <laughs> to a UFO, and they'd just be gone. And then they'd be, like, reincarnated in their same body. Ta-da! Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler alert, that's not what happened. (laughs) So then Applewhite gets arrested for not returning one of the rental cars that they had rented. And they decided to focus on the contact with extraterrestrials and focus on bringing other people into this... um, this group of them seeking like-minded people you know they didn't have enough friends why (laughs) that's a great question i can't imagine why they didn't have very many friends um they published like ads to recruit their disciples and they would call them the crew and they really focused on getting people who believed in ufos and extraterrestrials and during this time that was super popular. Science fiction was really just starting to take off, and people were really into, like, UFO and alien sightings. So this brought people who were into UFOs and alien sightings, but not necessarily interested in finding any religion. They basically said at these meetings that they were beings from another planet known as the next level and sought participants for an experiment, and they thought that they would be if they were in this experiment, that they'd be brought to the higher evolutionary level and go to the next level in this on this spaceship. And they basically thought that what Christians on planet Earth thought heaven was, the UFO that they were going to be beamed up to was heaven. It was the next level. Mm-hmm. I don't really get how it all can... Yeah. Um, they obviously couldn't pick a name because then they started referring themselves as guinea and pig. <laughs> They're not very consistent. (laughs) Um, I also feel like if you're going to have a nickname, I'm pretty sure the rule of nicknames is you can't give yourself a nickname. Yeah. And they were just giving each other nicknames to have cool (laughs) nicknames. But I would not want to be Pig. Yeah. So there's that. Mainly Applewhite was the one that talked and then Nettles would kind of just like interject to clarify occasionally, but mainly he talked. And actually, they very rarely spoke directly to the attendees, and they would take phone numbers for them to contact them. Um, initially, it would, they, I don't want to say this. <laughs> originally, the name was the Anonymous Sexaholics Celibate Church, after the crew failed. And then um, it also, and then it got, 
And then it became known as the human individual metamorphosis. And they had a lot of symbolism in being like a caterpillar to a butterfly and that their bodies was the caterpillar and it was going to go to the cocoon, which was the ship, and then it would come back as a butterfly in this like human individual metamorphosis type thing. It was very confusing. I didn't write all that down. (laughs) Um, So he, (laughs) Applewhite, believed that extraterrestrials visited humanity in the past and placed humans on earth and that the extraterrestrials would eventually come back to come and get them. And he thought that these extraterrestrials communicated with him through the popular television show, Star Trek. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm just sitting here like, you just kept like, what is it going to be? What is it going to be? Not surprised. <laughs> and, and would quote it, like, seriously, like, in his teachings, he would quote Star Trek as, like... I just want to know how nobody saw through this. Like, I mean, I'm not the smartest person in the entire world at all. But I'm smart enough to not join a cult. Yeah. Okay, but wait. Wait. Hold on. You know, who's the guy on... Who's the guy? Have you seen Tiger King? No. So there's this guy in Tiger King, and his name is Doc Antle. I had to Google it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and he runs a tiger, quote-unquote, sanctuary, and has, like, tigers and lions and monkeys, and he has all kinds of animals. And he has these girls that work for him, and they dress really cute, and they're all, like, his wives, like, common-law wives, or they're all, like, in relationships uh-huh. with him. But they get fed. They get their hair done. They get their nails done. They get, like... They get every, they get taken care of. They get to play with cats all day. Like, and then they've just got this, like, kind of ugly, like, husband on the side. I mean, he's not ugly, but, like, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. But you see, I mean, they're pretty, right? Uh, they get boob jobs. They get all kinds of things. I could see. Oh, here, here. This shows, like, their outfits. Oh, God. I'll put these on Instagram. <laughs> this has nothing to do with anything. It might not even end up in here. <laughs> um. Yeah, okay, so, like, see her, like, see her outfits are cute. Like, look, she got, like, she's cute, she's cute, right? I can totally see how, like, this is his son, by the way, who I would be, like, way more interested in. I could totally see how, like, if I did not have a good family life, if I was not raised in a good situation, whatever, if I didn't talk to my family on a regular basis, how I could easily have fallen into that. Like, I love tigers Mm -hmm. and like big cats I've always have and so like I could totally see myself getting wrapped up in that and getting brainwashed to stay there if I didn't have any family to back me up especially if you're getting like gifts and being pampered and things like that this is not that no I was gonna say I was like that's completely different that's like and that's a choice oh I mean it is still a cult (laughs) yeah but it is a different kind of cult yeah um so actually like new age people um a religion came about with New Age religion, and they were invited to speak for them in 75. And half of the 50 people started to follow them. So they got 25 followers right there. And then, and I think that was in April of 75. And then in September, they got 30 people. So now they have, like, around 55 people that have left their homes to follow them around the country. And the media was not happy about that. They they were super negative. They mocked the group, accused them of brainwashing, and on the CBS Evening News, Walter Cronkite, Cronkite? <laughs> in the CBS Evening News, um, they had reported that a group disappeared, 
And they said, a score of persons have disappeared. It is a mystery whether they have been taken on a so-called trip to eternity or simply have been taken, end quote. And that was like the first report of the group in general on the TV. And Applewhite was super not happy about that and took the group completely underground, basically. In 1975, because they still cannot commit to a name, they started to go by Bo and Peep. And they had about 70 followers at that time. Did they just, like, throw a kid's book on the ground and pick the first name that they picked? Well. Guinea Pig. <laughs> Bo and Peep. Like. Bo and Peep was like they were a shepherd. Mm. Like little Bo Peep lost her sheep. And that they were the shepherds and the followers were the sheep. Which I don't like. I don't think sheep is what you really want to be called, but I think in Christianity, like, people are called, like, That's lambs. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think it's a similar concept. Members were instructed to renounce friends, family, media, drugs, alcohol, jewelry, facial hair, and sexuality. Applewhite and Nettles also told them that they needed to adopt two syllable names that ended in Odie. And Odie was supposed to stand for um, children of the next level. So then they all went by names such as Rakodi, Jamodi, Lavodi. Um, but it was like three consonants is the first syllable, syllable and then Odie. So instead of being like Rakodi, it's R-K-K-O-D-Y. Or Jamodi was J-M-M-O-D-Y. Lavodi is L-V-V-O-D-Y. It's like... Yeah, very confusing. <laughs> um, but there's actually a video of them on the internet where he is saying, like, Lavodi, Jamodi, like these names that are, just seem natural coming out of his mouth. It's kind of weird. They explained to their followers that they thought they were going to get assassinated and that their deaths would be similar to those in the two witnesses of the Book of Revelation. Back to this, like, bad... I don't know if they read the Book of Revelation and they thought, like, ooh, this is me, or if they have a misunderstanding of the book of Revelation or if I have a misunderstanding of the book of Revelation. Because it's not great. They also later decided that the treatment of the press was a form of assassination and that they had fulfilled their prophecy. So I don't know how those two things connect. Sorry, rich people noises. (laughs) (laughs) When Logan and I first moved into this apartment, we've never had an ice maker or a water maker, water machine. I don't know what it's called. In our fridge before. And so I would get spooked when I was here by myself. And then finally when I I was like, there, that's the noise. That's the noise. And he goes, honey, that's the ice machine. It's rich people noises. (laughs) Like, A, we're not rich, but we're just like Like lucky enough to have an ice maker. (laughs) Yeah. So now every time it goes off, I'm like, oh, rich people noises. (laughs) So finally... We're on our last set of names. God. <laughs> oh, again. my God. And they go by Doe and T. Because both of them were super into music in general. And it was said that one of their favorite movies was The Sound of Music. So it was named after the song. Like, Doe, a, a deer, a female deer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1985, Nettles dies of cancer. Oh, no. And Applewhite told their followers that she had traveled to the next level because she had too much energy to remain on Earth, abandoning her body to make the journey. Now, if we skip on back, he said that that when they died, their bodies would be taken up into the spaceship completely and then returned to the Earth as a metamorphosis. So his whole, like, religious thing has to change now because he just, like, totally messed it up. Oh, it's not going to happen. Yeah, like, oh, crap, her body's still here. We have to do something with it. It didn't get beamed me up, so. <laughs> beamed me up. 
um he was super depressed after that and um because he did i mean i think that he really did love her like as a soulmate but not like in her mm-hmm. like a sexual way i think obviously he's a homosexual <laughs> in case you didn't pick this one up <laughs> so then he had a ceremony in which he symbolically married all of his followers and told them that he had been left behind by Nettles because he still had more to learn and that her role was a higher spiritual role than what he had and started to talk about her and call her the father and used male pronouns when talking about her. He began to use a really strict hierarchy and basically said the only way to salvation is through having a relationship with him. And he, I mean, a lot of people, when going back and looking all of this, they actually don't think that he brainwashed anybody because he's kind of crazy. It's kind of hard to, like, follow him. He's not really, like, super charismatic. Yeah. But they think that the reason that they followed him is because they had nothing else. They had already renounced their family and everything else that made them an individual, and they were just following him at this point. Yeah. Um, They started to get a reputation as a cyber culture because they started a website Uh, in a way to reform and get more group members but then they started to get more reclusive and kind of stopped using their website because they thought that like people from the outside were trying to penetrate their group and get them shut down basically in the early 90s he apple white ended up posting some of his teaching on the internet and he got a lot of criticism which really hurt his heart and he talked about suicide as a way to reach the next level because he was so upset that he was getting so much criticism on the internet and explained that everything human was that had to be forsaken including the human body before one could ascend into heaven's gate and that's when the higher source group became renamed heaven's gate okay from june to october 1995 the group actually lived in a rural part of new mexico They had 40 acres, and they tried to build a compound that they referred to as the Earth Ship, using tires and lumber. But obviously, that's really freaking hard. (laughs) And it's New Mexico, so it's really hot. And Apple White is old now. Like, it's, you know, this is 1995, and he was born, when did I tell you? I don't know, way before that. He went to college in 1952. He's, he's, He's old now. And so obviously this is really hard. He was in poor health and he thought that he had cancer, but he couldn't prove it because he didn't go to the doctor. But he just thought because Nettles had cancer before that this is what he had. They start to get really, really focused on suppressing their sexual desires. And a few of them, uh, specifically Apple White and seven other people, got surgically castrated. Oh my God. They had a really hard time finding a doctor at first until they got a doctor to do it. And... Applewhite said that the reason they did this is because sexuality was one of the most powerful forces that bonded human bodies together, or humans that bonded humans to their bodies and hindered their efforts to evolve to the next level. And that next level beings had no reproductive organs, but Luciferians, which he called the alien-like creatures that falsely that falsely represented themselves as god to earthlings and conspired to keep them from developing is what he called these like luciferians they were technically advanced humanoids but and they could like talk telepathically and all this stuff but um 
He also said that they used holograms to fake miracles, these Luciferians, and that these these beings with gender stopped trying to get to the kingdom of God years ago, and that Heaven's Gate had believed that all other people on the planet besides these people that had been chosen for Heaven's Gate were just like not even worth it. They'd all been corrupted, so they weren't going to ascend, basically. All of them started to wear similar haircuts and clothing. Some experts say that this was to show like the lack of gender or the lack of sexuality between them. And somehow in October 1996, they got a crap ton of cash because they rented a mansion in Rancho Santa Fe, California, and they called it the Monastery. They paid $7,000 a month in cash. So some people think that they got like an inherited, like one of the members got an inheritance money and gave it all to the, yeah, to the group. Um, some people think that, you know, like when they went out, they just finally got enough money because all of them were out going out and working. Some of these things are almost just embarrassing to say out loud, even though I'm not in it. I just get secondhand embarrassment from it. They purchased alien abduction insurance <laughs> and it only covered 50 of the members. <laughs> And, um, which I guess is pretty good, but it would pay out $1 million per person if they were abducted, impregnated, or killed by aliens. Your face is... <laughs> like, I just don't even know what to say. Like, yeah. I'm just trying to think of the, like, insurance member who was like, yeah, I'll sell this to you. Okay. That's like... like my dad always talks about, like, when he was a salesman, he's like, oh, yeah, if you came in and asked for something that, like, we didn't have, I would have sold it to you and the oil that went with it. And I was like, rude. <laughs> no. First of Bad. all. That makes me feel like this lady just, like, sold it. Like, this little insurance lady at her desk, like, her colorful glasses, her nails are done. Got she's got like, Yeah. 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 Like, she's sitting there chewing her gum, and she's like, you want what? Okay, give me a second. Let me type that up for you, honey. Like, judgment in her eyes, but she's ready to make a deal. You know what I mean? I'm concerned. I I still can't grasp that. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sure it's a real thing. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's a thing. So they recorded two video messages offering viewers a last chance to evacuate Earth. That's probably the most, like, um, recognizable video that you see. You see Applewhite, and he's, like, really wild-eyed, and he, like, bug-eyed, and he's, like, really scary-looking. Like, he, you, you see it as a normal person, and you're like, what kind of crack is he smoking? Because, oh wow. And he believed that a comet event represented the closure of Heaven's Gate. And they made these messages after they learned about the approach of the comet Hale-Bopp. That is the name of the comet, not named by Applewhite. I, I was don't gonna know. say, I was like, wait, is that something that he named? Because I, I think I've heard of this. Yes, it is a real comet. That is the real scientific Hale- name of it. Bop, why? I think, I truly and honestly think that these scientists named it Hale Bop just to torture Applewhite. Like, I think they, <laughs> I don't, who came, I don't know who came up with it. I mean, the only other explanation is like, maybe, I'm like the it. two scientists who found it were like, hey, we'll name it after us. But then I hear Bop and I think like Baby Bop from Barney. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Oh, I am sorry. It was uh discovered by alan hale and thomas bop and that's why it was called the comet hale bop okay. so I was say, like that's honestly like that makes cool. me feel <laughs> bad about it 
Sorry, Alan Haley. I don't know. It'd be real funny if they did it out of spite. Tom's that would be mom. real great. It would have been great if you did it out of spite. Yes. Your name does kind of sound like a Heaven's Gate kind of name. So yes. That's they were like, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Applewhite also uh, convinced everybody, including himself, that Nettles was on a spaceship trailing the comet and that he planned to rendezvous with her. So all of his, uh, he also told all of his followers that the government was attempting to suppress their communication mm-hmm. to the craft. Definitely. Because that's what the, the government does when you're attempting to talk to aliens. Yep. And uh, <laughs> just to touch on that, I don't think the government cares at all that you're trying to talk to this comet. I think he didn't have the technology. Uh, yeah. Because in 1997, I think that's when my mom got her first cell phone. Sail. Sail phone. Sail phone. I think that's when my mom got her first cell phone. Like, I was born. I was not even born yet. I'm just saying, I don't think you're communicating with them, but it's fine. He also said that deceased followers would also be allowed to take the vessel. And in March 1997, they isolated themselves completely from everybody and recorded farewell messages. And in most of these uh, farewell messages, many of the members had praised Applewhite and pretty much only talked about Heaven's Gate and its teachings. Applewhite then recorded a video shortly before his death that he termed the suicides the final exit and... He said that, and I quote, we do in all honesty hate this world, end quote. He, there's a lot of people that speculate that Applewhite settled on suicide because he had said that the group would ascend during his lifetime. So appointing a successor was unfeasible and that he wanted them all to basically die before he died and he was sick or he thought he was sick and he was older. So he wanted all of it to end in the same time so that he didn't have a predecessor and they were all basically saying that he was wrong. There's also a lady that I saw on the internet that speculates that Applewhite was schizophrenic and that all of his visions were schizophrenic episodes. I can see that. Yeah. A little bit. Makes sense. So at this time, the members took barbiturates and alcohol and then placed bags over their heads. They wore Nike shoes and black uniforms with patches that read Heaven's Gate Away Team, which is obviously a Star Trek reference as well with the away team. There was a bag in each of their in each of their pockets that had a $5 bill and three quarters in their pockets. And according to former members that didn't off themselves, um, this was standards from members who left home for their job. But um, the $5 bill was for covering a cost of vacancy laws. And then the quarters were for calling home for pay phones. And they said that this was a kind of an inside joke between everyone to say like that they had all left the planet permanently basically was like it was like this joke that they had the deaths um they think occurred over three days in waves and that apple white was one of the last four to die they think this because once a member was dead a living member would have had to arrange the body by removing the plastic bag from the person's head and then posing the body in a way that laid it really neatly and then covered their faces and their torsos with a purple cloth for privacy there were three assistants that helped Applewhite commit suicide and then they killed themselves the reason that they know that they like killed themselves last was because they didn't have the bag taken off of the head of the purple cloth tape put on they then got an anonymous tip from 911 about a mass suicide that the police and that the police should check on them for like the welfare of the residents. Later on, it was revealed that this 911 call was actually Rio D'Angelo, who was a member at one time, and he had received a package in the mail on March 25th from the group 
that had a, co- a VHS copy of Doe's final exit message and the farewell messages from the other group members and a letter stating we have exited our vehicles at, just as we entered them. They wore identical clothing as a uniform for the mass su- suicide to represent unity and they wore the Nike decades because the group got a good deal on the shoes. <laughs> there were also things that said that they used a uniform because it was just cheap clothing. So I don't really know, but I guess Marshall Applewhite was super into Nikes and got a good deal on them. I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> so D'Angelo, who was our member that got the contents mm-hmm. in his package, he told his boss that he got this package in the mail so his boss comes and gets him takes him to los angeles to the heaven gates house in rancho santa fe so that he could verify in the letter that they had actually killed themselves d'angelo found a back door that was intentionally left open not open but unlocked Mm -hmm. and used a video camera to record what he had found after he left the house d'angelo's boss who had waited outside told him that he needs to call the authorities to tell them what he saw like he wasn't going to do it. Like what? Like what? You just found a house full of dead guys, and you're not gonna. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So anyway, so they send one dude. They send one deputy out to this house. Oh my god. He goes in. So this is. So he called on March 26th, and they had. They think that they had like committed suicide up to four days before that. So they are in California. In the middle of March. That's not going to smell very good. Yeah. So this, <laughs> this one poor dude who's now traumatized for life. Yes. Went in. He saw 10 of the 39 bodies. And he said he was nearly overcome with the odor. You know he ran outside and puked. Oh, yeah. I know. Like, at, working as an autopsy tech, you know I've smelled decomposing bodies. I've smelled the worst of the worst. Yeah. I have smelled decomposing bodies that have been in the water, not in the water, eaten by cats, all kinds of gross stuff. 10 of them? Only 10. Is enough to knock anybody on their butt. But he only saw 10 of them. So that means there was 39 in there. He's smelling 39 of those. I would have been able to smell it from the street, yes. ma'am. I would have been like, how did nobody else? Hi, not I need smelling. backup and a hazmat suit. Thanks. Like, yes. no. So, um, yeah, right? This mansion was like on acres. Like, I don't think anybody was around. So they had already started decomposing, obviously, because they're in the hot California uh, spring. And so then they send out two deputies. I don't know why they have such little amount of people coming out, but they do. So instead of one, they sent two to go in there um, to see if anyone was alive. Because if anyone is alive, they didn't need a warrant, I guess. But if everybody was dead, they did need a warrant. Nobody was alive. They went and got a warrant and four, 39 people were found dead. Yeah. It was the largest group suicide involving U.S. citizens since the 1978 mass suicide of 913 Americans in Jonestown. Which we'll talk about in another episode. (laughs) (laughs) And Applewhite's body was actually found seated on the bed of the mansion's master bedroom, so he was posed as well. Medical examiners actually determined that his fear of cancer was wrong, but that he had actually, he had a coronary artery disease, so... That's probably why he felt like crap. Yeah. Like cancer, you know. I've already talked for like an hour. But it. I did want to mention that Marshall Applewhite had a daughter. Mm -hmm. I mentioned with his first wife. Um, Her name was Lane. And she was the mother of Hannah Overton, who was a Corpus Christi woman who was accused of poisoning her adopted son, Andrew Bird. 
And eventually that was, she was cleared on an appeal in 2017. And then she was married to the girl, Hannah's father. His name was Reverend Benny Sanez. Sins? I don't know how to say that. S-A-E-N-Z. I'm so sorry. Sains? Sains? I don't know. Reverend Benny Sains, who was an evangelical preacher in Corpus Christi, and he was convicted in 1984 of bludgeoning to death a 16-year-old girl whose nude body was discovered on Padre Island, and he was sentenced to 23 years in prison. Oh, my gosh. So, basically... There's a little crazy sprinkled in that thing. Um, if this was a cake and crazy with sprinkles, it'd be funfetti. <laughs> so, there's that. Um, that's Heaven's Gate. I'm... Like with all cults, I'm not really sure. <laughs> it's like so, I mean, like I said, I'm not the smartest person in the entire world. But I just, I can't imagine joining this and believing this stuff. And like, I I don't know. And I can see how like maybe some people are emotionally manipulated or yes. whatever into staying up until a certain point. But the second they were like, hey, we're all going to kill themselves. I'd be like, you know what? I'm, I'm outie. I gotta go. I got an appointment down the street. Doctor's um, appointment. Dentist appointment. I'm gonna have a headache at that time. <laughs> I'm gonna have a headache at that time. I think I'm gonna be sick that day, guys. I, I you know, I just don't want to get you guys sick before you Why die. is that me with every social interaction ever? Like, oh, sorry, I am busy. That time. I didn't even say what day it was. Yep. Yeah, nope. Busy. Headache. Yep. Got a headache. I'm gonna yep. be sick that you, day. My period might come that day. <laughs> I might be sick. Yeah. There's this really good show that might be on at that time. I um, don't know. Yeah, I just can't do it. I, so I can't even imagine, like, I'm not even good with, like, scheduled social events. I can't imagine how, like, scheduled suicide would work like, for scheduled me. scheduled death. And then, so you said they took, so they took drugs yeah. and drank alcohol and was that And then put a plastic bag over so their head. So they did all that and then suffocated themselves. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay, I, I can't even imagine that. Yeah. And then for someone to go and, like, watch it happen and be like, you good? Like, poke at you a little bit? And yeah. Because like, I have seen, I've heard of Heaven's Gates. I've seen, there's like a museum that has like fake bodies laying exactly like this. Is that the Museum of Death? I think okay, so. Okay, they actually have the actual outfits that they wore. It was Are you donated like, to them. Oh, I didn't know that. Because I knew, yeah. I was going to say, I knew they had a lot of the stuff there, but. So, okay, so I was going to tell you. I want to go there so bad. Yes. And a lot of people say that people leave there and puke. I don't think I'd be that person because I have worked as an autopsy tech and I have been into forensics for a while, but um, I don't think I'm going to puke through it, but I do think it's going to be a very like solemn, humbling kind yes. of experience. I don't think it's like quite as exciting as everybody thinks it is. I think it is one of those moments that really makes you take a step back and appreciate what you have in your life. Yeah. But another thing I wanted to talk about is in... The forensic community, every suicide that happens comes to the medical examiner's office. And there's actually a book called The Final Exit, which I don't know if it is a reference to Heaven's Gate or vice, or if Heaven's Gate is, a ref, is referencing him, but there's a book called The Final Exit and it actually details how to get all of your money, will, etc., all of your earthly possessions in order for you to kill yourself and then the most, like, non-painful way, allegedly, to kill yourself. Whoa. To commit suicide. And it's something that you can buy on the internet. And we, like, it's really sad. And I would discourage anybody from doing that. If you oh have gosh. problems with suicidal thoughts or depression, Don't I would really encourage you to wow. see someone. Because we know what that's like. And we know that it's not a good time. 
and that we have both struggled with mental illness in some way or another and that it's so much easier it's so much of a happier experience to get the help that you need and not take yourself from this earth because there is somebody that wants you if anything it's us yes definitely we are here we message love us on, you. Message us on Instagram <laughs> if you need to talk. We're here. Absolutely. That was really depressing. Uh, please tell me about your story. <laughs> uh, if you, the suicide hotline, I think, is... It's 800-273-8255. I don't know. I know that only because I've had so much teacher training that it talks about like, oh, I bet. teenage yeah. suicide, which is the reason I quit being an autopsy tech was because I hated teenage suicide and it made me want to just yeah. like, couch my eyes out. Yes. Um. So yeah, that was... None of the people who died were teenagers. They were all like 26 good. to like, I think 72 was the oldest person. Dang. I wonder if that was Applewhite. Okay, couch talk with the Branch Davidians. Before the Branch Davidians, I had no idea what they were at all until you mentioned them when we were writing a list of all the topics we wanted to do. Oh, okay, cool. But I had heard about the name David Koresh, but I had no idea who he was. I thought it was some kind of like Kaiser Sose from that movie where he was just like a name of like a character or something. I thought he was an actor Oh. Or something like David Koresh. I don't even know who you're talking about. <laughs> so his name's David Koresh. Okay. He's the whole Waco guy. There was a few other people before him, but he was the one who caused the issue. But yeah, I thought he was like David Copperfield or something like, like just It was just a name that I knew. I didn't know what it was or who it was. And then Waco, I had heard of the Waco siege and everything, but I thought they were talking about how a couple years back when those Waco bikers like shot up like a Hooters or something or some restaurant <laughs> or something. I thought it was a Hooters. I don't know. Okay. But they shot up this place and that's what I thought. Waco was. Got you. I mean, I live in Texas. I know what Waco. I know where Waco is. I've been to Waco a million times. Is that where Baylor is? Yes. Okay, got it. But yeah. So I had no idea what any of this stuff was. I'm also not a fan of religion myself. So I don't really, like, it starts from the Seventh-day Adventists. I read that they liked, that they had something to do with the Book of Revelation somewhere, and I realized, so on Wikipedia, when I looked up Seventh-day Adventists, it gives you, like, ten different, like, beliefs, like, fundamental beliefs. So they have, like, law, meaning the law of God is embodied in the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath, second coming and end times is a big thing, like, the second coming of Jesus, all that good stuff. And then mm. it gets down to a few other ones, and it comes to remnant, and it says there will be an end-time remnant who the who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. This remnant proclaims the three angels' messages of Revelation 14, 6 through 12 to the world. But then this is just, that's just the Seventh-day Adventists, like, the church themselves. Got you. That's kind of their gig. Yeah, so they're, so they pretty much are, like, they share the basic beliefs of, like, the Protestant church, including, like, the acceptance of the authority of the Bible, recognition of the existence of human sin, and the need for salvation, and then belief in the atoning work of Christ. So that's what the main church is. Well, enter in this guy, Victor Hutef. I'm not sure how to say his name. It's H-O-U-T-E-F-F. I keep saying Hutef in my my head. Sure. Um, But Victor Hutef, he is (laughs) Bulgarian. So right now he lives in California at this time, and he's joined this church and everything. Well, he decides, or he starts having, like, all these thoughts and pretty much a little bit different and a little bit more severe than what the Seventh-day Adventists believe. So he pretty much, he believed that like living in a time when, I'm reading this from my notes, but he believed that it was living in a time when biblical prophecies of the last judgment were coming to pass as a prelude to the second coming. So he's getting ready for this. Like okay. He's like, these are, these are what's he's going on. He's gearing up. So he creates... In 1930, this is when all this started. About it says 1930, but it's also referenced 1929 when it all began. Okay. So I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump around dates. There's a lot of dates here. 
Um, but he writes this, I, I don't know, it's a book called The Shepherd's Rod. Okay. And he calls this group the Davidians. This is a, the member of the California congregation. They had like a big fight about, like between the church and him about his beliefs. And they were like, no, no, stop. Like, this is this is not what we're doing. And he was very convinced that he would go to other churches and try to, like, preach this. And he was like, you know what? You guys are becoming too lax. Like, we need to we need to get, get it back into gear. Like, we need to be doing what we're supposed to be doing, which is uh, his form of the Davidians. But he was disfellowshipped by the Seventh-day Adventists because they, they wanted to protect the church. So they were like, you wrong. It's not okay. So Hutef was married to Florence. They found the Davidians on the outskirts of Waco, Texas. They built the car- the compound called Mark Carmel Center and began preparing for the second coming. So he died, like I said, in 1955. Um, that same year, Rodin, Benjamin Rodin, he was a formal follower of Hutev, called himself the branch after the branch referred to an Isaiah, called for Davidians to come to Mount Carmel to start hearing his message. Okay. And this is when the branch Davidians, not just the Davidians, came into play. Well, in 1957, this is two years after husband died, Florence sold the old Mount Carmel and purchased 941 acres near Elk, Texas, which is 13 miles of northeast of Waco, which is the new Mount Carmel. So they had one, they had a Mount Carmel, sold that one, and moved a little bit further. They could have had a mansion! Seriously. And I'll have to show you pictures because... The compound does not seem like with all this land, it's nothing. Like it is. But like, that's a what I'm saying houses. is they could have had you know three or four acres and had a mansion instead yeah. of having 900. At least, at least my cult had the right idea. They yeah, were like, they were like, like mansion. I got my Nikes, like all this. But no, so she, they sold the old one, they bought the new one, and now it's known as the new Mount Carmel. So wow, an original. That name. was in 1957, <laughs> and then so Miss Florence is Miss Prophecy over here apparently. And, <laughs> And was like, there's, end of the world, April 22nd, 1959. Like, that's the day. It's happening. We're gone. Bye-bye. Well, no. That didn't I mean, obviously. Clearly. Since 2021, we're, we're this, still here. You're hearing this. We're still here. So she dissolved the Branch Davidians in 1962 and was like, you know what? We don't need this no she's more. She's just salty because she's wrong. Yep. And she sold all but 77.86 acres of the new Mount Carmel property. Well, Mr. Rodin, Mr. Benjamin Rodin, He's the follower. He took possession of New Mount Carmel in 1962 and began trying to like the rest of it. So he wanted to buy the rest of it. Well, in February 1973, it was sold to Benjamin Rodin, Lois Rodin, and George, their son, under the trustees for the General Association of Branch Divinian Seventh-day Adventists. Do you think they got like a... Like a grant from the government? Probably. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's churches that get, like, grants from the government for being a church. Like, you know, they, mm-hmm. don't, they don't got to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming so. But from that point on, they ended up just calling it Mount Carmel. They, they, they dropped it the new, they dropped it the center. Just Mount Carmel. And then, so, Rodin is now in charge of all this. He has all these different views, but it's pretty much the exact same thing that Hutef was turning, because he went to, he went there to learn from Hutef. Got you. But, Rodin died in 1978, so he had it for, he had it for a quite a while okay um well his wife then became the next prophet lois i mean at least they're <coughs> equal you know what i mean yes. at least like we're not totally sexist we'll get there oh <laughs> bum, bum, bum. that seems like a <laughs> like a dark foreshadowing yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> so in comes so lois is in charge at this point rodin is dead benjamin's dead well in comes this guy named vernon howell and he, this is in 1981 who later becomes david koresh Okay. Vernon Howell, so he came to study under Lois. 
Um, there are some, like, people who say that they had a sexual relationship, but there's not really a whole lot of information pertaining to that. But I'm like, that means she's really old and he's pretty young. And he's supposed to be there learning about religion? Yes, he's supposed to be learning. That's not the first um, or last time that's no. happened. So yeah, so he, he joins this group and he's going to be studying under, under Lois and everything. And he, he really studied under Lois, you know. Under? <laughs> but by 1984, most of <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. Okay, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> but by 1984, most of the group of Davidians had shifted their allegiance with George, who is Lois's son, to Koresh. So now Koresh had, like, this core group, and that is what is what ended at the climax of the Waco siege in 1993. We'll get to that. Let me talk about Mr. Koresh for a second. So he was like the main guy. Yeah, it says that he engaged in an affair when he was in his late 20s, but she was in her late 60s. I wonder um, why, man. Oh, yeah. And he really wanted to give her, to, for her to have his baby. Like, really wanted, and that baby would be the chosen one. Like, the. But she's 60. <clears throat> yeah. She don't want to be popping out your kids. He, he at did 60? not care, and he was. Um, but when she died, uh, George became, like, became in charge at that point. And there was definitely, like, like, a power struggle between George and Koresh. And, but he's not even Koresh at this point. He's still known as Hal. But he, there's been lots of, like, stories about how they had, like, a shootout. And then they also had... Like an old western shootout? Not exactly. Like, they had, like, Koresh's group and their group, like, fought pretty much. But shootout sounds so much more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was a duel. <laughs> yeah. And at one point, they both did this ceremony. So these people believe in... Reincarnation. Reincarnation. <laughs> I I was thinking of Revelation. <laughs> I was like, that's not it. That's not that it. These groups believe highly in reincarnation and that this happens all the time. So they had this, like, competition pretty much with a dead body to try and see who could bring her back. Well, they didn't bring her back. Well, obviously. Yes. But that's one of the things that happened between Ew. them. Okay. Um, and so in 84... Haven't they heard of, like, communicable diseases? Like, let's not play with dead bodies. And it was in, like, their church. Gross. Yes. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> but he ended up gaining <laughs> most, a majority of the Davidians on top of, like, <laughs> like took him from George. I know, okay, I you're like so dead how? Body. <laughs> I know. I just can't, I can only think of these people just like messing around with this dead body with like no gloves on, yes. just like yanking her around. Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I so, just got traumatized. I'm gonna keep calling him Koresh. That's really his name, but they That's also totally in all fine. these it always references him as Howell because he's not David Koresh, but it's Koresh. Okay. So he and his followers leave and start going to other places to like gain more followers and everything, and then so George with his last few people. Ended up renaming, they named it Rodentville. Well, all right. Which I think of Rodentville. Yeah. I know. That's a choice. Yeah, and here, oh, here's the the stuff. So they challenged Howell to raise the dead, going so far as to exhume the corpse of a a two-decade deceased Davidian. Gross! Yes. In order to demonstrate his spiritual supremacy. He's Um, dead! uh, This is illegal, by the way. Yeah, Yeah. man! And then it gave him... I wonder why it's illegal to dig up dead bodies. You think? Yeah. Well, Howell uses, Koresh used this in his favor by filing charges against Rodin, but he had to have, like, more evidence to have the charges. I'm sorry, the dead body wasn't enough evidence? You would think so. (gasps) And so this is where the, like shootout thing comes on so in 1987 Hal and seven of his followers raided mount carmel 
with 223 semi-automatic rifles, 22s, 12-gauge shotguns, and about 400 rounds of ammunition to try and retake the compound. I thought um, these were supposed to be peaceful, like you religious people. So. Where they get all these like military guns from? Yeah, but uh, they claimed that all they were trying to do was to obtain evidence to, you know, get Rodin out of there. You know, he's bad apparently. But no one thought to bring a camera. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> They all brought, like, guns after guns after guns. They brought all this stuff and raided this place, but their excuse was, oh, we were just trying to find evidence. Then why didn't you find the evidence? Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence and where's your camera? Exactly. Or a vocal voice Something. But no, they didn't do that. Nobody had, like, one of those little flag pin cameras that they have in the spy movies. And what's funny is, so they ended up going to court, and all the jury was like found his his seven little friends. Was it seven friends? Yeah, seven friends. They found him not guilty, but they not put not guilty of what? Anything apparently. Uh, <laughs> they found him oh not they not guilty, gosh. but then they couldn't agree on a verdict for Howell. And then this is super weird. So after everybody was acquitted and they're all happy go lucky again, Crash is like, "Hey, prosecutors, come get some ice cream at Mount Carmel." Yeah. Freaking ice cream. And did they go? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Wait. Do these people want to be kidnapped? I think so. Who freaking knows? Gross. But ice cream. No. Like, I'm Absolutely sorry. Absolutely not. But even now, like, again, I am not a fan of religion. I don't, I don't like it. I was raised Christian. Not a fan, if I do say so myself. But if some random group that I just took to court was like, oh, thanks for, for not sending me to jail with ice cream. Like, I'm like looking at you. I like, don't go to strangers' houses, especially when they live on 900 acres. Seriously. You know how long it would take to find my and body? after they were just on trial for, like, going and attacking this place with all these freaking guns. I would not go. Like. No. You can't, you ain't catching me nowhere near there. Mm-mm. I just don't, I don't understand. Mm-mm. Yeah. And then, but yeah, so he, he did all this, you know, he, he was like, hey, friends, can get some ice cream, whatever. Well, he ended up taking over, but he was never actually, like, authorized to name his group the Branch Davidians. Because that's technically, like, Rodin's group was okay. the Branch Davidians. But they never really changed the name or whatever. And so he ended up changing... So this is now where he changes his name to David Koresh, suggesting that he has ties to the biblical King David. Oh, alright. And Cyrus the Great, which... Koresh is the Hebrew version of the name Cyrus. Well, all right then. Now he, we're Hebrew. He, and then he, his goal in his new group was to create a new lineage. Oh, okay. So Sorry, he I have was to like, go. we need some new world leaders. We need to create just a great group of people who are going to take over the world, you know? And this, his whole idea of a lineage meant having sex with multiple members' wives. To be in his group, you had to let him sleep with your wife, pretty much. Did the wife get a say? Nope, not really. If I was a wife, I'd be out. Like, if I, if, if Jackson came up to me and said, hey, we're going to go join this group, but to be in it, you got to sleep with the guy. I'm going to look at him like... Divorce favor. <laughs> yes, like, like no. Like, I, I don't... Under, like, and the, the crazy thing is, is he did it. Like, these women slept with him. Gross. With all that that happened... A lot of allegations of child abuse that was like a big thing like people were like this is what's going on why is this going on and it is believed that he like like the youngest his of his wives was like 10 gross apparently <laughs> yes 
Mm-mm. And with all of these, there is not, I mean, seriously and honestly, the having sex with other people's wives thing is, like, one thing. At least these women are, like, old enough to consent. Yeah. Having sex with children is unforgivable. Yes. That is so freaking gross. Because I was yeah. about to look up a picture of him and be like, well, you know, like, at least if he's, like, maybe kind of cute... He's not, like, I don't want to say that he's attractive. He's not. Ma'am. He looks like a weirdo. Yeah, he looks crazy. He looks like a pedophile. And he was. I mean, obviously. <laughs> I was just, you know, I was going to start off with being like, okay, you know, maybe, like, these women wanted to have sex with him. That's fine. You know, that's that's on them. But, like, you should, know If yeah. you are a mother, that should never, like, you should never be in a group where that is allowed. And if you are and you know that it's happened to you, GTFO, man. Yep. <laughs> I kind of want to go back and talk a little bit more about him real quick. Go for it. So he was born in Houston and his mom was 14 years old when she gave birth to him. Oh my goodness. Her name was Bonnie Sue Clark and the dad's name was Bobby Wayne. Those are some southern names. Oh, very, very much so. But he didn't really know his father because his dad decided to go with another teenage girl and abandon Bobby Sue. Um, So that really upset Bobby Sue or Bonnie Sue. Sorry. Bonnie Sue Bobby Wayne. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little confusing there. Same. So, like, she gets upset, you know, she she becomes infused with a bunch of bad people and ends up, like, living with this really violent, like, alcoholic guy. So, he and Koresh ends up leaving, or living with his grandma because his mom just, like, up and left with her boyfriend and was like, hey, here's my four-year-old. Keep him. Like, I don't want him right now. Okay. And it's really cute. I like his grandma's name. It's Erlene. E-A-R-L-I-N-E. Erlene Clark. Okay, that's I, I thought it was kind of cute, and she stayed away. <laughs> that's until, also very southern, but it's very cute. <laughs> but he, she didn't return until he was about seven, and she had gotten married to a carpenter guy named Roy. And then they had another son named Roger, and that's about it. That's all it gives. And Koresh didn't actually meet his, like, biological father until he was about 17. Didn't have the greatest upbringing. Yeah. Didn't have a great childhood. When he was young, you know, he... Was he had dyslexia? He wasn't very smart, so he was put into special education, and people picked on him and called him Bernie. And then he ended up dropping out of Garland High School oh, in his okay. junior year. I know, so I'm like, that's like really close to home. Why are all these crazies in Texas? Girl, we're not even gonna get started on why the crazies <laughs> are in Texas. First of all, the heat. Yeah. Second of all, <laughs> it is the religious trauma. <laughs> Third of all, Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> when he gets older, so he's already dropped out of high school or whatever, if my mom, like, if I knew that my mom had given birth at a young age, was, like, abandoned and, like, had this really bad relationship with the dad, I wouldn't try to be the same. Well, what he does is, when he's 19, he ends up with a 15-year-old. Ew. So I'm like, that, and who became pregnant, by the way? Even more ew. Even worse. Well, he decides, you know what? I got this girl pregnant. I'm going to go and be a born-again Christian. I'm going to redo my life. And then after that, he decided to go change and was like, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be a born-again Christian anymore. I'm going to go join my mom's church, the Seventh-day Adventists. Well, he decides that, you know who I'm in love with? I'm in love with the pastor's daughter. You you would think you'd want to keep kind of a low profile starting out. Seriously. Like, you you need, you need to chill out. Well, he apparently was praying for guidance one night, and he opened his eyes, and the Bible opened up to Isaiah 34, 16, stating that none should want for her mate. So he was convinced that this was, like, a sign from God, and that Koresh needed to be with her. So he goes up to the pastor and says, hey, I need to marry your daughter. Well, dad's like, no. Like, yeah, no, that's that's not happening. So he pretty much kicks him out, but Koresh was like, I, st- I still want to marry her. He's like, I'm kicking you the crap out. Like, what are you doing? And so he ended up getting, like, expelled from the entire church. Like, the whole oh, congregation 
conversation was like, bye bye, you need to go. Yeah, they all think he's wacky. You crazy, you're not gonna marry my daughter. Get over yourself. Well, that's when he decides to move to Waco, and that's when he joins the Davidians and then the Branch Davidians. And then he just decides to kind of take over for himself. So he's in charge now. He did want, at one point during the the whole issue, he wanted to be known as the Koreshians. Oh, okay. Because real original. But yeah, so he has all these people. He's crazy. He, they, they follow him. He's having sex with wives. Because of all, like, the allegations of child abuse and statutory rape, he he had marriages with both married and single women within the group. He needed to procreate 24 children through those chosen women. Mm -hmm. I mean, those 24 children were going to be those, like, the great lineage, the new world leaders. They were going to be in charge for the return of Christ, like, whatever. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, he did have one real wife. Her name was Rachel. And at one point with the, um, one of the chosen women through his, like, teachings was the younger sister of his wife, Rachel, which I thought was really gross. And if my husband said that he had sex with my little sister, I'd be a little, mm-hmm. a little annoyed, I'm just to say the least. To, I'm just trying to go along at this point. <laughs> just, it's real creepy. Like This, this is a really, really emotional ride. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much where this whole story begins with Waco which is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. They were executing a warrant one day for allegations on sexual abuse and illegal weapons. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. almost like that's exactly what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> this happened this is this whole thing started on February 28th, 1993. So for the illegal weapons, the reason that they were looking into this is because they were stocking up on guns, firearms, like all different types of firearms, all different types of weapons. And the only reason they figured this out is because a UPS driver wanted the boxes open one day and it was grenades. Oh! <laughs> yeah, so... If I was that like, UPS driver, I'd just be like, I'm out. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Well, and, and <laughs> you gotta go. There was an interview with the UPS driver. He was like, I feel like I am to blame for a lot of this because when he would take the packages there, David Koresh would come out and, like, greet him. Like, he was, like, kind of friends with this guy. You know, he brought the packages all the time. Like, noticed that they got all these packages and everything and didn't know what, pretty much didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know Aww. that... Because they were, like, making their own guns and everything. Koresh's group was now more of, like, a militia. People said that they would, like, they had members who would wear, like, military uniforms, would make them march, would make them, like, train with, like, guns and everything. Because they all, clearly... It's so they, sad that yeah. he, like, blames I know, himself. I know, I know. You I, know what that is? That's the opposite of, like, I was telling about Gary Ridgway's wife, how she was like, I feel like I've saved so many lives by... Him being in love with me. No, no. ma'am. You ain't got a clue. That's like, and you, and you were just, like, not paying attention to your <laughs> husband all this time. That's the complete opposite. This poor UPS man, he's taking way too much of this blame that he does not need to be taken. It's not yeah. his fault. He didn't know. Oh, That's yeah. depressing. So this poor guy, and he was, like, this cute little old guy. Like, oh, my gosh. He, like, really worse. sweet. And, like, the article I was reading that told me about this, like, there's, like, a picture of him in his cute little old-timey, like, UPS outfit. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna cry. I know. That's so sad. But he, like he obviously he didn't get in trouble because you're just doing your job. Like, yeah, they shouldn't but, be ordering that crap. But that emotional turmoil I that know. he's going through is really sad. And he like in the article it was saying that he didn't want to take it to his grave without like telling people <gasps> that he was like 
part of that. He's a nice guy. He's like, I didn't mean to. Yeah. <coughs> I was just doing my job. But that is why the ATF came and was like, hey, what's going on? Well, they attempted to breach the compound for about two hours, meaning they were shooting it out with each other. Okay. For two freaking hours between the Davidians and the ATF. But they ended up running out of ammo after a while. So wait, how did they get from coming and being like hi we have a warrant to shooting and that's what nobody knows that is actually a question that nobody understands who shot first they don't know if because the davidians on their compound they had a gate you know they had they had security they had dogs and apparently one of the the davidians say that the atf agents were the ones who started the gunfire and apparently it was that one of them shot a dog or something and that's what hurt everybody just started going but nobody really knows for sure who really shot first but on this day so this is only february 2nd no, sorry, February 28th, I can't read. Four ATF agents were killed. Holy cow. And 16 others were wounded. The four ATF agents that were, were killed were Steve Willis, Robert Williams, Todd McKeon, and Conway Charles LeBlue. And that day, five Branch Davidians were killed. One guy named Winston Blank, he was British. Peter Hipsman, Peter Gent, who was Australian. Uh, Perry Jones, Jaden Wendell. And two of those were killed by fellow Branch Davidians, by the way. What? Yeah. So <laughs> you look so done. This whole story, like I, I did a lot of research this whole time. I'm just like, this is freaking ridiculous. How did all this happen? How did this come about? Like we, we don't freaking know. Well, six hours after they called a ceasefire, an, a Branch Davidian named Michael Schroeder was killed by an ATF agent who reported that that Michael had fired a pistol at the agents trying to re-enter the compound. But his wife says that he was just trying to, re- he was just coming home from work. He was just trying to go, and then wasn't even in the whole early morning shootout thing. He was shot in the eye, in the heart, and five times in the back. What in the world? I'm like, that does not sound like someone returning home from work. But whatever. So, February 28th was the first day of the siege. This is a 51-day ordeal. 51 days this whole thing takes place. It's absolutely ridiculous. Oh my gosh. I don't know how any... Like, government, let this happen. This is ridiculous. So after a little while, they end up making contact with Koresh. You know, FBI took over. ATF is no longer in charge because there's so many deaths of the agents and it was just such a shit show. But they were like, this is this is our, ours now. You guys have done enough. Well, the FBI ended up, they were able to work out the release of 19 children off the compound. When the kids were interviewed, they all said they were physically and sexually abused, but they didn't have any, like, evidence of it. But yeah, so inside there were 46 kids. But if these kids grew up in this <coughs> compound and yeah. didn't have access to the outside world... yeah. How are they supposed to know what? And they were taught that the outside world was bad. Yeah, so how do they know? They don't know any different. Um, They think that Koresh is in charge they know yeah. that he's like all knowing that he he's in charge here he he's correct but that's what i'm saying is like they're not telling you that they're being sexually abused that's as like a lie yeah like that's not something that they could just have come up with and know yeah. that it was bad because that's something that they've just grown up with they yeah. just know that it doesn't make them feel good oh yeah <gasps> um, one of the interviews of the woman that was there she said that like all the wives were expected to have sex with him but it was more of an at his convenience like when he Ew. wanted it so one of the women said that she went to his his room one night just to get it over with and that he got pissed off because it was supposed to be like his choice not her oh off- wow she pretty, much, oh. she pretty much offered himself herself to him was like just 
get this crap over with. Like, I'm here. Just do it. Done. Well, he gets so pissed off that he doesn't kick her out, but, like, banishes her to, like, a smaller compound and, like, doesn't let her see people. Oh, my gosh. It's almost, like, how (laughs) annoying is it, like, when people want to have a choice? That's so great. Yeah. It's, like, the one time one person's going to make it easy for you and you freak, freak the crap out. Yeah. He doesn't like the consent. Yeah. And she, like, tried to talk to him and tried to apologize. And then just one day he just ups and lets her out like nothing happened. Gross. Yeah. It was, he's, he, I don't like him. He's not a good guy. So, yeah, like I was saying, this lasted 51 days. There was 46 kids inside. 21 of them were saved within the first, like, five days, okay. thankfully. All this stuff's happening. On April 19th of 93 is the final day. This day, the FBI ended up using large, like, a, the largest weaponry they can find. So they have 50 cows, armored vehicles. They're ready for this. So they end up using tear gas, mm-hmm. and they go and use one of the armored vehicles to, like, break into the compound and start throwing tear gas in there to try and get them to come out. But they were told to only return fire. You're not shooting anybody, only if you're being fired at. So around noon this day, three fires broke out on the compound. And to this day, nobody knows how they were started. Yeah. Some Branch Davidians say that they just saw them happen. Some of them blame the government, say that it was the FBI who started it. Others say that it was the Branch Davidians who started it, either off the people or just caused commotion. So they they, they, they still don't know what the heck's happening. Is um, tear gas, like, flammable? I don't know. Okay. Oh, it does look like... It says, lethal weapon, FBI's use of tear gas questioned at Davidian trial. That's the <laughs> name of this. It does say that it does that it has a lot of nasty qualities, including flammability. And when burned, it releases a deadly gas of hydrogen cyanide. And it was the biggest tear gas assault scene in America, is what this says. Yep, that I did read. Allegedly. (laughs) So all this is happening, everybody's being choked out. So while this is happening, all the Branch Davidians are holed down inside. They actually have like an underground bunker. They have like a bus. Oh. Underground. How do they get a bus underground? Well, it's just supposed to be, they just use the bus as, like, the entrance to the underground shelter. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I thought that was weird, too. I'm trying to imagine so that in my head. <laughs> this whole thing's happening, so he makes all the women and children that are left go down there. And on this day, so 76 of the Branch Davidians out of 85 died. Oh my goodness. Whether it was from falling debris from the fires and the vehicles were, like, crushing the building to try and get in and shoot and to throw the tear gas in so they're causing that the fires are making everything happen so a lot of them died from the falling debris suffocating from the fire gunshots from the fellow davidians a bunch of them don't know how so many people got shot so there is beliefs that the davidians just started killing each other mm-hmm. and just killing the rest of them we have a 76 of them died david koresh ended up dying there is it's that's like, not a real loss sorry oh, <laughs> so i really gonna mourn that one it's kind of confusing as to how he died so it is believed that he had like a second in command who killed him oh as like you need to calm calm down and just just decided to kill him just out of nowhere so yeah, so with the with his death, his name was Steve Schneider. He was Koresh's right hand man. They say that he probably realized that Koresh was full of it, and I wrote down Koresh was full of it, and shot him, and then killed himself with the same gun. Maybe that's what the thing said. It said mm, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Others say that he died from a gunshot wound that like got infected because apparently he got shot within the first few days. So he has a bullet wound and he's hurt. And then other people say that he got shot in the head during the crossfire, but no one really 
really knows if somebody else had killed him, like one of the Branch Davidians or one of the ATF or the FBI agents, or if he killed himself, but he did have a bullet to the head. Okay. So he definitely died from that. I do have one sad thing to say. Is it about Fresh? No. Oh, God. Nothing sad about him. Did a dog die? No. A kid did. Excuse me? Yes. That's so, worse than the dog. So with... I thought they got all the... Wait, I thought they got all the kids. Not all the kids were gotten out, unfortunately. But it does say... So the medical examiner who saw all the all the people says there's 20 people, including kids under 14, had been shot and a three-year-old was stabbed in the chest. Excuse me? A three-year-old stabbed in the chest. How does that have to do and with FBI any of this? FBI don't stab three-year-olds exactly. in the chest. So that's what makes me believe... That when all this was going shit in a handbasket, like, Crush was like, get rid of them. Just off everybody. We're, we're just, we're done. Yeah. So, after this siege and everything happened, so they go to, they go to court. So, the, um, they start the civil litigation and everything. The federal grand jury indicted 12 survivors with aiding and abetting in the murders of federal officers. So, all the survivors got in trouble. They also were accused of unlawful possession and use of various firearms. Eight of them were convicted of firearm charges. Five were convicted of voluntary manslaughter four were acquitted of all chargers charges charges chargers <laughs> and as of 2007 july 2007 all the branch davidians are officially out of jail um, a lot of civil suits were tried against the u.s government the federal officers and officials from texas government including the former governor ann richards and the texas army national guard but most of them were dismissed because they don't have it was a matter of insufficient evidence under law gotcha. so like pretty much they just didn't do anything bad yeah it was because they, the matter of law and because none of the plaintiffs had evidence against them so pretty much everything was dismissed got you but i'm like at this point i'm pretty sure any of that would be dismissed with how all that crap went down yeah and after waco they have a new leader his name is charles pace he was a follower of Rodin in the 1970s. The new name is The Branch, The Lord, Our Righteousness, and is legally recognized denomination. They have about 12, 1,200 members. He claims that Koresh twisted the Bible's, like, teachings of by fathering more than a dozen children with members' wives. Now, this guy, Charles, he says that the Lord appointed him to lead, but is not really a prophet. He doesn't have all these prophecies and stuff but he's just a teacher of righteousness um there's another leader named clive doyle he continues to believe koresh was a prophet and they are all waiting his resurrection as long with all the people who died under that day the branch mm. davidians are still considered a splinter group from seventh day adventist and they do still hunt down other seventh day adventists to get them to join so they're still to this day actively recruiting and then if you go to the compound it is still there they still have people who stay there and apparently are like the friendliest people ever and will just let you come in and talk and people still i'm not coming in and oh, talking know. what are you talking and about i had watched the video of what's her actual thing her name i watch her all the time bailey Sue. ask no ask them ask the mortician oh i, I don't know what her name is i can't think of her name either but she went i actually watched a video on her where she went to the compound and she's like it is the most beautiful place it's just open land. They have, like, a nice fence and everything. Like, super nice. Mm. Yeah. And one thing that I found really weird is they have coordinates for David Koresh's resting place. Like, final final grave. But I did find some really cool information, like, after the fact that has to do with ghost adventures. <gasps> yes. Give it to me. So, he, <laughs> so, Koresh had a 1960 Camaro that was damaged during this raid. And it was sold at auction for $37,000. And now Zach owns it. 
Go Zach. He freaking has it. And I'm like, that is I want to go to his museum. Yes. I'm like, I want to go. Is it in Vegas? Is that where? It's in Vegas, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, I thought it was somewhere that like Logan wanted to go anyway. And I was like, well, it's like $40 or something to go, but I think it'd be worth it. Oh, heck yeah. I would totally go. But that part I thought was the coolest thing ever. And then there was an Oklahoma bombing in 1995. And the two guys, Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols, actually said that Waco was their motivation to do it. And it was, like, it was on April 19th, 1995. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then another thing that I thought um, was cool, so Jackson plays Far Cry. It's a video game. Okay. Well, in Far Cry, <laughs> Thank you for telling me. <laughs> in Far Cry 5, there is a cult leader named Joseph Seed that is based off of Koresh. Okay. And I'm like, that's kind of cool, but, like, why? Like, at the same time, I'm like, nobody needs to give him any. Yeah. Anything. Like, stop it. I can see how there's, like, a line between, like, glorifying them and not. I think we're usually pretty good about being, like, fairly disgusted by everything they do and yes. not being, like, glorifying, but but it is hard to, like, turn someone into a villain. Like the Joker, for instance. Yeah. Like, he is a, like, the Joker in, like, all the Batman comics and all the movies is seen as this, like, really disgusting character, but yeah. then there's, like grown men that like glorify him and like females want to be with him. yeah i just think it's kind of like nasty to like glorify them yeah but but at the same time i mean when when you're a person creating a character and you don't have anything to go off of it's kind of hard to know oh, yeah. so it's like if you need that character i could see using him as oh yeah well and if you're gonna use them as a villain and not make them this like fantasy exactly there's yeah. that it, line it would you be have like making koresh the joker like if the Joker was based off of Koresh, and they were like, this is David Koresh, he's so hot, he used to kill these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's just misunderstood. Yeah. yeah, it's not a misunderstanding, it's mental illness, yes. isn't it? <laughs> it really creepy, I'll have to show you the videos, but he did, so as part of like the negotiations between the FBI and him, they were like, hey, we need to make sure people are okay, so they sent in a video camera, was like, make videos, let us know you're okay, and he's like sitting there and you can see, you see his kids come up and like sit in his lap like no big deal his mm. wife comes and sits down which his wife was super young too like really young gross and i'm like that's not okay but people let it happen and then one of the things i did read is that 21 of the victims were children under the age of 16 ew so little and Poor i also learned things. that koresh is from his hometown is tyler texas oh well which I'm like, that is so close to home because my whole family lives in Tyler. <laughs> I'm like, that is... That's a little close. A little close but to You can home. see how they came from there. Yes. <laughs> it makes so much sense now. <laughs> Goodness. Family's crazy. Yeah. And then one of the other things I read was that there was 899 agents, federal, and military people involved in this whole thing. And they couldn't... They couldn't deal with this. Them. Yes. And that's one of the things that people don't really understand is how this happened is who gave the okay for all this to happen. And there's people today that say that shouldn't have happened. There are leaders yeah. and like government officials who are like, this shouldn't, like this is the biggest screw up that could have happened that could have easily. Well, I don't understand how this went on for 51 days. 51 days from February to April. Like how this went on for 51 days and nobody said, I have a better plan. Yes. Well, the better plan, apparently, was the tear gas attack. And the tear gas was obviously... Well, and you went with tear gas, and then you went in with vehicles. Huge vehicles, huge which are, guns. And guns, which are all known to be, like, and let me, flammable, okay. along with your tear gas being flammable. Yeah. And most people, like, 
I know that I don't know about tear gas, but I know that like like law enforcement officers have to be like maced mm-hmm. before they can handle yep. pepper spray. So I don't, I don't know if that's a thing with tear gas, but like it's just crazy to me that. And you then can... let me show you the compound. So I am currently showing her pictures. So this is I didn't do anything better. And they have like they still have the trigger. Okay, that's, but that's like, the whole compound. Eight hundred ninety nine you... people tried to, to siege that. That's crazy. Does this not look like the Alamo just a little bit? I mean, it's a it's a little bit like somewhere between missionary compound and like prison. Yeah, and it looks like that. And this is the new sign and everything. These are this is they have like a little um, spot for like all the the agents that were killed. These are all the names of all the people who oh my goodness who died. There's that Steven Schneider, Michael Schroeder, the guy who got shot, unborn child. Oh my God, I've not seen this picture. There's so. Rachel Olivia Suzanne Howell, that is the wife. Okay. They have Star Howell, Bobby Lane Koresh, and Cyrus Howell. Cyrus was like a little kid. How do we have names like Cyrus and Star and then we have Bobby? Bobby Lane. Bobby Lane. Little One Jones. I mean, nothing against it. It's just like we had like two like very unique names. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you want even more Weird Wives Club, you can visit our Instagram at the Weird Wives Club podcast. Or our website, weirdwivesclub.wixsite.com backslash podcast. Um, If you have any of your own stories you want to tell us, email us at weirdwivesclub at gmail.com. Maybe one day your story will be featured on our podcast. Or if you have any ideas on what you want us to talk about next, DM us on Instagram, leave us a comment, send us an email. We'll get to it. (laughs) Yep. Hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) But that was our show. Tune in to our next episode. Okay, bye!